0: Hey, thanks for checking out West Church. We are so glad that you're taking a few minutes out of the busyness and craziness of life to hear what we have to say. We are talking about the power that we have as human beings in this world and in this life. And so today we're going to talk about the power of love. Today we're going to talk about the power of being loved. And next week we're going to talk about the power of giving and sharing love. But today we're going to talk about that constant and unchanging love that exists for each of us and how we experience it. So, I'm really glad that you're taking a few moments to hear this message. If you are newer to the West Church community, we would love to know that you're worshiping with us, that you're hearing this message or watching it either live stream or on demand. And we would love to know that by your texting the word welcome to the number that you see on the screen. And I'll read that number in just a second. So if you want to get your mobile devices ready, but uh, we just love to know that you are a part of the community and then you can choose whether you opt in to hearing more from us or not. The number is 704 Love is an amazing thing. It it changes us when we fall in love. When we lose uh, the love of someone, when it is not present anymore, that changes us too. And so today we have this privilege of talking about what it means to be loved and a love that never goes away, a love that never changes, a love that is always with us, regardless of what we do or who we are. Frankly, so we're excited to share this message with you today and uh, take a listen to the song and then we'll be back. So today we are going to talk about being loved and feeling loved. Now, I hope that as you come into hearing these words that you're like, I don't need this today. Like, I've got this. I feel very wonderful and and good and good. self-assured and confident in who I am. But unfortunately, lots of times when we go through life, we find ourselves feeling lesser than, like we feel like we're not enough. We feel like we're not worthy. And so for us to talk about the power of love, we have to talk about the power of being loved. So I want to ask you a question. When is the last time that you had Goosebumps. And I don't mean like the kind of goosebumps that the air is chilly and and you get chicken skin. I mean, like, when's the last time that you felt something like internally and you were moved, moved enough to get goosebumps? I was at a reunion of cl- religious professionals that did a study with Johns Hopkins around the role of psychedelics in healing and the healing process. They were working with the FDA, trying to get a particular drug approved by the FDA to treat depression and addiction disorders and and uh, PTSD and those types of things. And so, because folks were going through this experience and having like this realization that there's something bigger than they are in the world, a cosmic presence, a divine presence. And people that were going into the study uh, that were agnostic and atheist were coming out of the study saying, I think I might believe in God. Uh, Johns Hopkins wanted to branch it out and actually do the study with religious professionals. So they did. And uh, years later, the study will be published by the end of this year, but this happened like three and a half, four, five, six years ago. And so now that the study's and the research has been concluded, they had a reunion of all the religious professionals. Now, what happened is you had a few United Methodists, you had a Lutheran, you had some Jewish rabbis, and then we had some people from the Hindu faith. We had folks from the Islamic faith. There were also people there that were fundamentalists. And when I say that, what that means is someone that takes Scripture and reads it literally and believes in it very, very literally, and so there were people all over the gamut of faith present. And we did this thing called a sound bath. And so you would come together in a room, and it was a little like yoga for the mind. So you'd come together in a the room. They would give you a, a mask that you could put on your eyes, and you would lie down on a yoga mat. And then they had all different kinds of of pieces that would elicit a sound. And so they had bowls, they had uh, singing bowls, and then they had gongs, and and they had some drums. And and just over the time span of an hour, they would play these different music pieces and and different instruments, and and you would just be... One of the things that gets in the way of us recognizing and feeling this powerful love that exists for each of us in the universe is that rarely, rarely, and for some of us, if ever, do we take time to just be. So this morning or today, when you're listening to this, one of our challenges for you is to find time to just be. As the religious professionals gathered in that room and we experienced that sound bath, you could just experience and feel the power that was running in and through that room. Like you you felt the power. When we get goosebumps... When something really powerful happens in our lives, we're in a conversation with someone or we're in an experience and we get goosebumps. That's an example of that power. It's an example of experiencing love. So when's the last time you had a a goosebump kind of moment? This morning, I want us to talk about experiencing the power of love in looking at the way that Jesus loved. And I want to ask us, where do we find ourselves in the story? Again, if this morning and today you find yourself going, you know, I feel loved, I feel affirmed, I feel like everything is is together and okay in my life, then odds are there's someone in your realm of touch that doesn't feel that. So if this doesn't apply to you personally, then I would invite us to hear this and then think about how we can share the important message that is contained within this idea with someone else that you love. One of the things that's a huge hurdle for people in experiencing faith and wanting to be a part of religion is that they don't feel worthy. I've had folks tell me of stuff that they've done in their lives that have has kept them from like experiencing Holy Communion, where we take the bread and the cup and we celebrate the sacrament of grace that is given to us. We've made mistakes in our past. We've done things that we're not proud of. And, and we have a hard time forgiving ourselves and loving ourselves because of those things. And so then we certainly don't understand how uh, we could experience a divine, constant, unchanging love. So I want to point out to us today that there actually were some groups of people that Jesus was very, very intentional about showing love to. In fact, if you read the Gospels, you'll find these examples over and over again, and I want us to find ourselves in the story. I want us to see which one of these groups we identify with. So the first one is, where are you in this story, like as a marginalized person? marginalized because of gender or race or sexual orientation or age those things are really real and sometimes we want to believe that they don't exist and and we want to talk about the fact that as a nation we've you know made huge strides in trying to overcome racial prejudice and and sexual orientation bias and those kinds of things but truthfully like even though we live in the year 2022 those things still exist one of the powerful things about Jesus is that he picked out the people who were marginalized the most. And the examples that we see in the Gospels are examples of him loving those people. So let's take women, for example. I'm not using this story because I am one. I'm using the story because back, uh, you know, several thousand years ago, women were not considered, not even like equal. They were not even on the radar at all. In society, men were the the norm, and they were the leaders. Women were not to speak in public; they were not to to show parts of their body. Uh, there's even a part in the Jewish, the Jewish Torah where it says that the role of a woman is to be in the home, doing uh, home duties, and the man's place is in society and in the world. A woman's worth was valued by the relationship that she had to a man. So if a woman was married to someone who was, you know, semi-opulent or semi-professional and successful, then she would be regarded as somewhat successful. But if the man that she was attached to, or if she did not have a man, she was scorned completely. So keep that in mind when Jesus starts doing his public ministry, like who did he go to and who did he show up to? And the answer over and over again is women. And so what he did was he took this understanding and this norm that women were lesser than and he turned it upside down. Now, people that are fundamentalists, people that believe that scripture is literal, they'll say, "Okay, well, that's just women, and that can't apply to ageism or uh or prejudice against someone with sexual orientation. But what we understand is that when the scripture was written a couple of thousand years ago, women were the ones in the society that that didn't have a place, and so Jesus showed them, "Look, you are loved, and you are one." And we can extrapolate from then till now that that's the way that Jesus loved all people. And that we can also take that dream that Peter had when when it was revealed to him by God that all things were equal. And this was after the time of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus when the first church in acts was started and all these people were being baptized and all of a sudden they had this conundrum like, you know, they're not circumcised and, and what do you mean you're going to let women have this role and all these kinds of things? And Peter had this dream and so that dream redefined everything. That dream redefined everything because Jesus redefined everything and, and he loved all people. And he showed it in the way that he loved women. So the woman who came to the well in the middle of the day, who was scorned by all because she'd had so many husbands and so many partners, she would have been known as someone who was so promiscuous and scorned. And that's who Jesus revealed his identity to first, like, I am the Messiah, and if you will be a part of me, you'll never be thirsty anymore. I mean, what a powerful message to be revealed, not to a man, but to a woman. Jesus' ministry was funded. You read in the Gospel of Luke that his ministry was funded by women. They're the ones that gave their money and enabled him to be the homeless rabbi that went around teaching and preaching. And then, even though there are so many different stories and different uh, recounts of the resurrection narrative, every single gospel that has the resurrection story in it, guess who Jesus appears to first? It's the women. In today's society, in our lives, we find times that we are on the margins that we are not uh, part of the middle of whatever social norm is going on around us. And and sometimes when we find that we're on the fringes, we feel like we're not worthy and we feel like we're not enough and we feel like we're not loved. The message here is that our love is not defined by other people in our realms of Societal influence, our worth and our well-being, our self-worth comes from knowing that we are, are created by this amazing divine and cosmic love. And we're a part of that love and it's in us. And it molds us and it shapes us and it allows us to live into this life feeling like we are enough. When is the time that you felt like you were on the margins? When is the time that you felt like you were not loved because you weren't enough? If and when you feel that way, I want you to remember that like Jesus went to the people that were on the margins. And it was not the popular thing to do. I mean, he was talked about and scorned because that's who he sought out. But yet he did it anyway. Another group of people that Jesus ministered to and and showed love to were those who had less than others. Jesus was not one of the people that would be sitting in the middle of all the opulent religious people, the religious leaders. And and back then, it really was like the haves and the have-nots. I'll never forget the first time I went on a global, a global mission trip, and it was to Calcutta, India. Before we went to Calcutta, we landed in Delhi, and the, we stayed at like this Sheraton. I went with Compassion International on a scouting trip to try to have partner churches in various parts of the world, and so we went to India, and we were staying at this Sheraton. I'll never forget, I mean, this was like, gosh, 14 years ago, we drove up, and there were armed Guards at the gate. Now, when we go to the local Sheraton or uh, you know Holiday Inn or whatever around here, there are not typically you know gates, and then there certainly are not armed guards at the gates. They searched our vehicle. They ran uh, this this metal detector underneath the van looking for uh, bombs. It was a little scary. We go into this resort or this hotel rather and and go to our room. We go up to the floor and we look out our window and right through the window were the slums. And, you know, I've seen tent cities. We have some of those uh, around us here in North Carolina. Uh, I was out in Oregon a few weeks ago and like there were tent cities everywhere out there. And so it was a very real experience of people having less than others, but I'm going to tell you, like, um, nothing compared to that experience in India, where you're in this opulent hotel and marble sinks, and then you look out the window, and it's the slums of India, where, like, There's no running water, and there's no such thing as a a toilet or a bathroom. And the roads have, like, gutters on the sides of them for folks to go to the bathroom in that recessed piece of concrete. And that's what they lived in. So uh, that's our world today today. A couple of thousand years ago, it really was equally the haves and the have-nots. The majority of society back then, they they were the have-nots. Like they earned their money through trading their livestock and things like that. But then there was a group of people that they had wealth. Who do we find Jesus hanging out with? It's not the wealthy. It's those who had less than others. Those are the people that he loved. So, the next time you feel like you are one that has less, so the next time you feel like uh, you didn't get that promotion and, and you're just not good enough, remember that Jesus loved those who had less. Like, we don't have to have a lot to be loved. Sometimes that's what gets in the way of us having peace and happiness in life. We're always trying to pursue one more thing. We're always trying to get one more thing, thinking if we'll climb that ladder just a little more or we'll get that new job or that new car or the bigger house or the nicer clothes, that will be enough. And if we are always chasing that kind of dream, we are never going to experience the power of love. Because we're always going to be wanting more. The message here and in the life of Jesus is that like we are enough wherever we are, whatever we have. And if what we have is less than everyone else, and and not just monetarily, right, like status or relationships. There's so many different things that happen in our lives that make us feel like uh, we are not enough and we don't have enough. Remember that Jesus loved those the least, and Jesus loved those who had the least. Another powerful way that he showed love was the way that he loved the unclean. And so I want us to think about the unclean today in a way, not just leprosy, which is the scripture story that I'm going to share with you in just a second, Unclean for us can mean much more than like a physical illness. Unclean can mean like what I've referred to before, like we've done some things that maybe we just shouldn't have done. We've done what is called sin, which is missing the mark. We've committed things. We've done things that are anything but love, When those things happen, we are unclean. Now, in the Hebrew scripture and the New Testament, the unclean was known as, uh, they had all kinds of rules, right, So and laws, so you couldn't eat certain things, and if you ate a certain thing or if you were a woman and, and you had your certain time of the month or whatever, you were known to be unclean. Lepers were unclean. Any kind of physical ailment or illness was known to be unclean but sometimes being unclean is more than just the outer part of ourselves it's the inner part as well and those are the things like when we when we do make those mistakes and and we we know we messed up we know we wrestle with things that we shouldn't we let those things build a wall and that wall gets in the way of us feeling and being loved so i want to read to you this morning a story And give you a real example of how Jesus showed love. This is an example of Jesus and the leper. And it's taken from the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. While it was still night, way before dawn, Jesus got up and went out to a secluded spot and he prayed. Simon, the disciple, and those with him, they went looking for him. And they found him, and they said, everybody's looking for you. And Jesus said, okay, let's go to the rest of the villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he went out to their meeting places all through Galilee, preaching and and throwing out the demons, which we know means helping them be free of those things that held them captive "'A leper came to him, begging on his knees. "'If you want to, Jesus, you can cleanse me.' "'Deeply moved, Jesus put out his hand, "'and he touched him, and he said, "'I want, I want to, I want to be clean.' "'Then and there the leprosy was gone, "'and his skin was smooth and healthy.' Jesus dismissed him with strict orders. Say nothing to anyone and take the offer. Take the offering that I have for you for cleansing that Moses of your forefathers prescribed and present yourself to the priest and this will validate your healing to all the people. As soon as the man was out of earshot though, he told everybody that he met what had happened and he spread the news all over town. So Jesus kept to out-of-the-way places, no longer able to move freely in and out of the city, but the people found him, and they came from all over. So that's like a beautiful picture of what this love of Jesus does and is. So first of all, like he's tired. This is in the Gospel of Mark. It's in the first chapter. So this is where his ministry first starts. And and he's overwhelmed because like he's preaching this good news and he says, I've come to set the prisoners free. When he says prison, he doesn't mean that we're behind bars physically. He means that we are behind bars in our lives, bars that we create in our own minds that keep us from experiencing the power and the presence of God, and we understand God to be love. So like this morning, I mean, this message really matters. What gets in the way of you feeling like you are Uh, An amazing human that can do anything that you put your mind to, and you can accomplish all things. So the example we have here is of a leper, and that's like the scorned of the scorned. No one would uh, even acknowledge them, much less touch them. And there are so many examples in the Gospels of Jesus healing lepers. One guy, like, was on the side of a pool, and he stayed there for 12 years, and no one would help him. But this leper goes up to Jesus, and he's like, Look, I know, I know that you can make me whole and well, if you will. And so he believes that there's more. He believes that there's more than his current place and state in life. At different times in our journeys, we all have leprosy. And I don't mean we have the the marks on our skin, but we have marks on the inside. We live in a culture where it's competitive and where we judge and we are judged We define our self-worth by looking at other people and seeing where we measure up. And guess what? When we feel like we don't, those marks on our soul, they start adding up. And if we're not careful, they add up enough that we feel like we're not enough and that we are lesser than. So this leper who clearly is marked and scorned wounded and hurt he goes to jesus and not only does jesus heal him jesus touches him and when he touches him he makes him whole remember i said when's the last time you had goosebumps When we were together at Johns Hopkins, we were in New York to have that reunion of the religious professionals. Like we had to tell parts of our story and we had to talk about our faith context and, and where we work and what we do and how we uh, take the lessons that we learned through that experience and apply it to our everyday lives. I had the opportunity to be standing and conversing with a couple of the leaders of the whole movement of uh, this renovation of psychedelic drugs in the healing process of people. One of the gentlemen who did the early, early, early research 40 years ago. And we were talking, I was telling him about West and telling him about the, the people that we have the opportunity to be in ministry with telling them about you, telling them about the fact that like even post COVID, we can still have a vibrant and a dynamic faith community because you were willing to do church in a different way that worshiping on your phone or your TV or your computer, or just listening to a podcast. Like that's a legit part of being a a faith community and a church they said, well, what about all the different components of church, like small groups or, or missions like doing for other people? How do you do that when you're spread all over the nation or all over the world? And I'm like, well, we find ways. We offer ways that they can sacrificially give and, and be a part of some of the things that we're doing locally. Or then they go and volunteer and do things in their own areas. We find a way. As I was standing there with this gentleman and telling him about you and some of the life change stories that have come out of West, he got goosebumps, and he said, look, he said, it's cosmic applause. I thought, oh my gosh, what a beautiful phrase, cosmic applause cosmic applause is feeling and recognizing and owning that we're loved and feeling that love pulse through us. Look, religion is not something that is up here. Faith and religion it's something that's in here. It's our head, it's our knowledge, it's our wisdom, but it's also our heart. And we don't do enough of experiencing Being in the stillness of the moments and experiencing the emotion and the feeling of love and feeling it in our hearts. As you go through this next week, I want you to be mindful, like, do you have goosebumps? Do you look at the sunset or the sunrise or look at a little baby Look at someone that you love and know that they return your love. Do you get those goosebumps? If not, look for them. Look for those opportunities. Feel that cosmic applause and feel that love. So the last thing I want to say is that, you know, Jesus loved the marginalized and he loved those who were scorned by other people. He loved those who were unclean. He loved those who had the least. But he also loved the bullies. And it is warm and fuzzy to talk about how Jesus loved the the least, the last, and the lost. But, man, we don't like to think about the fact that Jesus loved the bullies, too. When 9-11 happened... We scorned people that were different than us out of our fear. In New York, there was a lady who was Islamic in faith. When 9-11 happened, she was the dean of one of the divinity schools in our nation. Because she was Islamic, she experienced great and tremendous prejudice during that time. I won't uh, be disingenuous and say that out of my own fear, like after that happened, I would look at people differently. You know, that's what we do when we judge other people and we think that we're better or whatever, whether it's politically or socially. Uh, Sometimes we do that uh, out of our fear out of our lack of understanding and our lack of intellect and knowledge around a certain culture or a certain way of being. And when we do that, like, we're the oppressors. We're the bullies. I want us to recognize that sometimes we are bullies. I also want us to recognize that even when we're the bullies, Jesus still loves us, God still loves us, calls us to change, calls us to let go of our judgment and our superiority complexes and see ourselves as one with all. But even if we find ourselves as the bully, as the oppressor, it's important to know that we're loved. Before we can give something away, we have to have it. Next week, we're going to talk about giving away love. But before we can ever give it away, we've got to know that we are loved. And it's something that we not just know, but that we feel. I want us to have goosebump goose bump moments. I want us to know that we are loved. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for giving us the example of one who came and loved all people, whether it was the bullies or the people who had the least or those who were marginalized or those who people didn't understand or the unclean. Jesus loved all. You love us. Help us feel loved. Help us know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your love is with us always and your love carries us even when other things seem to get in the way thank you for being a God of all love that is constant and unchanging we offer our prayers to you in Christ's name amen so I stopped a few minutes early today on purpose Usually when I'm done, I think you like click off and, and you type in the chat, bye, see you, and then you go on your merry way. Today, for a few minutes, I want you to listen to the last song. I want you to just be. I want you to think about life and, and love and what it is to truly feel that. Give yourself and God a few minutes today. Find some goosebump moments this week. Go in peace.